Autumn is finally here. Sorry, Summer. Uh, my name is Tom Chick, and my game of the week is not... Uh, I, it's like Hard Mother Trucker, I think. That's an actual thing, uh, I believe. No, Hard Truck Apocalypse. That's what I was trying to think of. Uh, a few years ago, a friend of mine tried to convince me that, hey, this is actually a pretty good game. I, I think I might have even played it a little bit, and it wasn't as terrible as you might expect from a game with that name. But anyway, that's not my game of the week, Hard Truck Apocalypse. Instead... Uh, you'll find out what, what my games of the week are. Uh, I am privileged this week to bring you interviews with two folks responsible for a couple of games I never thought I would like. Uh, one is Euro Truck Simulator 2. The other is called Spin Tires. I've reviewed both of them on the site. Um, but that's enough of me talking about them, uh, reading those reviews. Let's talk to the folks who made them. Uh, up first, I'm going to speak with uh, Pavel Shabor. I think I'm pronouncing his name correctly. He talked me through the correct pronunciation before we recorded. Uh, I hope I've done it justice. Uh, he works over there at SCS Studios in, um, I believe, the Czech Republic. And uh, he's going to tell us a bit about Euro Truck Simulator. So uh, stand by for that. I'll be back shortly. You at um, SCS, uh, your company has for a long time been making games about driving trucks. Uh, Why would you make a game about something that – about driving uh, and specifically driving where there aren't car chases, where you're not trying to wreck anything, where you're not going super fast, when that's something that many of us do – every day in our lives and might not want to do more of. Isn't it, in a way, similar to making a game about doing the laundry or washing the dishes, for instance? Uh, how do you respond to that? I realize that's a little unfair, <laughs> but I'm curious how you would respond to that. Well, it, it's true that these games are boring by design. They're supposed to be so. <laughs> but many people who find the magic in there Tell us that you know it's it's kind of like a zen of driving. You you get behind the wheel or uh, use the controller, and you just do the same as you would do just driving you know around the town to to cool cool down to 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 re- relax. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is how many people come to love the game, and we we, we bumped into it. By chance too, it wasn't my dream 15 years ago when I went into into gaming industry to make games about driving big vehicles. Mm-hmm. But tell it me, just happened. Tell, now, well, now how did that happen? Because if you look at the history of SCS and the games you've made, you might almost think, "Oh, these guys are truck drivers, <laughs> and they wanted to make games about what they know." Uh, how did it happen that you, as a as a game developer, came to have a long list of truck driving games to your credits? How did this happen? Uh, just a coincidence, as many things. We started as a essentially middleware engine company, or so so we thought we would be doing engines for life, and that would be great. 
but uh, it didn't quite work out for out for us those 15 years ago we did some we had some success for ex- for example our engine would power Duke Nukem Marathon project game the platformer mm-hmm. that was quite you know well recepted by by uh, uh, critical reception but not so successful on the market when it was released but it wasn't enough for us we needed more we needed uh, to improve the tools chain, so we hired artists, designers. We created created a full fledged studio and started working on contract for for publishers. And we basically did what we landed. So so we did a hunting game, we did a deep diving game, we did a truck driving game. And we thought, you know, it will never work. It's a game that mixes uh, uh, driving and tycoon elements, management elements. And we we said. We got uh, one paragraph description of what we were supposed to develop and evolve, evolve into a game, and we said, this won't work. We, we don't want to do it. <laughs> uh, uh, one thing will interfere with the other. But you know, we had to eat something, mm-hmm. so uh, we got to work. We, we uh, designed some systems that we thought would make sense, and this is how the very first 18 Wheels of Steel game was born like, 10, 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it worked. People like coming back to the management side and, and back to driving. They like the idea of building a company from rags to riches. Mm-hmm. So it works. Now, when you say you had that one paragraph and you realized, okay, we have to do this as contract work, we have to make a living, uh, I can understand your reservations and thinking this will never work. At what point did that perspective flip and you realized that there was this kind of, as you said, Zen magic uh, to driving a truck around and building up uh, rags to riches empire. Was it during the course of development? Was it after you had made it? When, when did you realize that you had something kind of unique and special? Uh, in, in one way, it was about a week before we, we finally gave the master to the publisher. When the, during the last crazy stretch of work, suddenly things well were clicking in place and. I would drive the game the whole weekend and just make notes about what to improve. And you know, these were little tiny details, and everybody was in, like, in the zone. All the team was, was really pushing hard. And we liked it. We liked what we created, which we didn't expect when we started. Mm-hmm. And then when the publisher, a few quarters later, came back to us, there was no digital sales back then. There was, there was just royalty reports every quarter. They would come back to us and explain that the game is making money and they want a sequel. We said, okay, we can survive through another sequel. That's, that's okay. But then it was successful too, so they wanted another and another. <laughs> and there was like seven, eight games in the series. And we, we had quite the following. We had fan base that was growing year by year. So initially it was supposed to be, and it was positioned like a small budget game as there were many, many PC budget games that back then uh, different price point than the AAA or, or AA production but we somehow made it to be uh, accepted as, a, as something more serious somewhere closer to uh, the acceptance of flight simulator or train simulation ga- uh, games mm-hmm. so it took some, some years really Now when I sit down to play Euro Truck Simulator 2 and this is my entry into the series. You know, you guys have been doing this work for over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I obviously am 
benefiting from those 10 years of experience and kind of refining uh, and perfecting the model, uh, making the systems work together. Uh, explain to me how different it would have been back then if I had played one of those truck driving games. How, what would be missing? Um, how have they changed over the course of these 10 years? Uh, well, graphics is, is a natural okay. thing that evolves. Right. But in fact, the core is always the same. You always start small. You always start as a contractor. So, so the, the gameplay, kind of the evolution of the game is about the same year after year, sequel after sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can do physics better, which is an important part of, of the formula for you to feel like to believe what you're doing. Uh, it's overall like more rich. It's the, the environment has come from being really simplistic when the games were made by five people. This one game was ba- was built by almost 20 people, so the difference is there. The tools have improved. So, so the world, it's not GTA 5 kind of polish and level of detail, but it's gone a long way to not be so simplistic to... It's not believable, and that's probably the thing that you drive, you drive for an hour, you see different things, and before you know it, you want another cargo to be delivered, so another hour. There is this great sense of, uh, because you do play it in very small chunks, like it is just one job, do that, I've got time for one more job, I might as well start one more. Uh, it does, the, the way that the, the missions work, I think of them as missions, mm-hmm. uh, it, it makes it very easy to just keep playing a little bit longer. And I imagine, actually, Pavel, uh, what was it, one of the brilliant things about Euro Truck Simulator 2 is the way that you guys compress distance. Um, you manage to create this sense of, I'm doing a long overnight drive, when really I'm only driving for maybe three minutes. Um, was that difficult to do, to create this sense of scale, but without drawing it out into a longer tedium from, for the player? I think we were, over the years, we were uh, some at some points more compressed, at some points sort of okay. less compressed than we are now for deliveries. Uh, we always wanted the cities to be a few minutes from each other, uh, but the other part of the formula is that our bandwidth is limited for how much stuff we can build for how much uh, we can how long we can take t- to make the game so it's the, the some of the fans would prefer us to have the scale uh, such that they would be driving longer times they would prefer one to one scale <laughs> some of them which is crazy <laughs> they suggest that we should just you know pull data from google maps and and use that we, I think we figure out a reasonable scale that doesn't bore people too, too soon while driving, that gives you enough along the way. But in fact, it's, it's just through evolution, we got it just about right, I feel, but it wasn't the smart maths going on behind it that we, we had a magic formula. It, it just happened <laughs> over the sure. years. Well, you, you guys also, um, and again, I feel like by jumping into Euro Truck Simulator as as late as I have in terms of how long it's been out, how long you guys have been making these games, uh, you have added a lot of additional content in the game, and that includes new areas of the world. Um, 
some of which I believe are paid updates and some of which are free updates. Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, yeah, sometimes we expand for free. Sometimes, sometimes we feel we need to ask for a little support to go on. Well, if I'm not mistaken, you guys all – it's all self-published now. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, how has that been to transition from working for a publisher to being your own publisher? Mm-hmm. It was a leap of faith, mm-hmm. but for us, it was worth it. We are these, we are such old dinosaurs that we still remember the, <laughs> the old days of publishing contracts. So we we did okay doing uh, truck simulation games for somebody else for a few years. We were one of the lucky few who would make royalty. Uh, royalties in the setup. There's always this, these stories about one in ten games may be making uh, royalties beyond the advance back then when this was still the standard publishing model. Then we, when we were feeling that we should start on our own, we had a little saving, you know, war chest saved to to try. We real, realized that the safest bet we can make is continuing the same journey. We, we we felt you know we could do a shooter, we could do whatever, but let's start with something we know, something the fans know know us, they will discover us. So we started doing one little vehicle simulation game, which was actually a bus driving game. It wasn't even a simulator; it was supposed to be very simplistic. Some of our fans still want this to be a simulator, but it wasn't meant to be. But it was success. Suddenly, even in the early days of digital uh, distribution, seven years, eight years ago, it was, I think. We stumbled upon a successful formula doing it on our own. We managed to get a network of publishers in place, small small guys specialized in these niche kind of things. Not This is not EA material. They wouldn't touch it. But with the small guys and the digital distribution, uh, we, we, we felt we are doing better than doing contract work for somebody else. Mm-hmm. We also felt the pressure because you bear all the risk. You have everything... You have you bet it on something, but you know this is these days it's it's normal. Nobody's surprised right. doing his next uh, iPhone game this way. Back then it was something that was that took courage, mm-hmm. and we we flourished. We we kept growing. We went from being ten, twelve people towards being forty now, which is huge by all our standards. As as of many years, we were small. Now we are mid-size. I would even say. We have two projects in development, so obviously for us, it worked. It did. And is it accurate to say, uh, I, I'm assuming that Euro Truck Simulator 2 is easily your most successful project, is that correct? Uh, by far, by far. Yeah, by far. So why is that, Pavel? Because um, you've been doing this kind of thing for a long time. Uh, as, as you mentioned, Euro Truck Simulator is at its core the same kind of gameplay you've been doing. What happened that suddenly this release became so huge? Do you, and do you even know, by the way? <laughs> uh, well, some you know we probably got above the threshold that we were suddenly accepted by like people like you who are saying very nice things. We got initially very very positive reviews back in the old days. Standard you know, PC games media wouldn't even cover the kind of games we were making. Everybody was obsessed about tri- AAA. Now that there's this indie scene even bigger than the, than AAA in, in many ways when it comes to coverage and interest, uh, 
we were suddenly you know a normal game developer with doing an acceptable game and what also helped let's face it is that we when the game finally launched on steam it was in a very very silent period for for any launches it was mid january and in the middle of january the game somehow managed to make it to number 1 on on steam weekly chart so when this happens then even more uh, reviewers and media suddenly think, you know, this there has to be something. I need to look at it from like fresh perspective, not to automatically put it down as something like this is a budget crap again, as 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 would be expected. So so we were suddenly taken seriously, and it kind of snowballed from there. But this is just one part of the formula. The other is probably that the fan base got huge. We have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of of sales now. We have close to uh, 800,000 sales mm-hmm. and we know just judging from our telemetry that there's over 8 million people who actually tried playing the game through some means I mean not really purchasing but trying Sure. so there's this pool of potential customers to still still go and, and to try to chase after so we have you know this is Suddenly, not a niche. This is mass market almost. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, one of the things that uh, that I, I think was hugely instrumental to getting me really hooked on the game, to, to really grabbing my attention, uh, it starts very small and kind of very modestly, where you just pick a city and you make a trucker, and you don't have to buy your own truck. You're just driving somebody else's truck for a mission, um, but you have this experience points uh, system, mm-hmm. and when I go to second level, I get to spend an experience point, which unlocks new kinds of cargo or new bonuses for certain kinds of cargo. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that that, which anybody who's played a fantasy RPG, for instance, could understand, uh, that was this hugely accessible you know, hey, play a little bit longer and you'll get to third <laughs> level and then you can unlock a new one. Has that been something you've done all along or uh, is that a new part? I think uh, this is more or less something new. We had it simpler before. It, there was always something. It is supposed to be a game, not just a simulator that's really dry. So we always needed and wanted to make a game out of this to have, to have people hooked. If we based everything just, let's say, on money, it's really hard for us to progress through the game because we need to, to give you as a player something cool in an hour or two at most. You need to be able to buy your first truck very fast so that you have this gratification of finally making it. In real life, if we made the money uh, real, it would take years to do that in, mm-hmm. in real time. So we had to compress the, the, the revenue part of the game, the, the income part, way, way more than the distances even. So in a few minutes, you can make quite some money. But then if we do this and give you money quickly, the game would get broken later because suddenly there would be so much money pouring that they wouldn't feel worth the effort. There would be like like rain of money on, on you. So so the experience element in the, in the game balances things out. It keeps you motivated to go, go further. Well, we are game makers. We thought we know what we were doing, so maybe we did know what we were doing. And it works, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, finally, there are two questions I want to ask you about, things I'm curious about in the game. Uh, This being a game about being a truck driver and responsibly delivering your cargo Mm -hmm. in a reasonable amount of time. Um, One of the things that I love and that sets this apart 
from a lot of other uh, kind of tycoon games where you're delivering cargo uh, is that as I'm driving, I, I have a lot of things I have to do. You know, I have to check my mirrors. I have to switch lanes. I have to obey traffic signals. Um, this is very much a game about following rules. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, actually, all games are like that. Even in Grand Theft Auto, you know, the rules about when you break the law and how many cops are after you, those are gameplay rules, kind of. So your rules in Euro Truck Simulator are more about the rules of civil behavior, of driving responsibly. One of the things that I've wondered about, and I've heard people say this online, but I'm not sure I believe them, Do other do, does the neutral traffic always follow the rules? Namely, are there traffic accidents in this game that I didn't cause? Uh, well, the AI is supposed, definitely supposed to, to follow the rules. Uh, it gets improved over over the development of the game, and since the release of the game, there was quite a lot of improvements in in the AI just to make it more real, just to have mm-hmm. uh, the the drivers in there actually have their personality. So some of them may be more aggressive, some of them may be more conservative, but they should follow the rules. And uh, in fact, when there is an accident near that you see it, but they haven't caused, it is. A bug in the AI that you know the the scripts ah. didn't quite figure out to to break hard enough, or somebody would try to to change the lane too aggressively. But this is all trying to be real. This is not uh, something that's scripted in a stupid way. All the AI cars need to behave realistically, and it's mm-hmm. quite a pain because there's like 60, 80 of them around you. So there's a lot of things going on. The cars are actually, in most cases. When they are farther away from you, they are just you know riding like a wire, not really behaving according to physics. Right. Only right. once they are very close to you, the physics switches on. And when you bump into them, something to them something happens. But it's it's quite a way, quite a long effort has gone over the years into into AI. That's one of the things that I really do like because I do like. You know, as a truck, you interact with traffic very differently than a car, and those of us who drive cars certainly know what it's like to drive around trucks. Uh, but the swirl of activity around you uh, is really engaging to see, and it's it's entertaining to watch that the different cars behave differently. And I'm constantly wondering, will these cars ever cause a wreck, like amongst themselves? So it may happen. Uh, it may, well, yeah, and that's that's good to know. It sounds like you just give them behaviors, and sometimes they get themselves into wrecks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I'm curious about, um, one of the, the the fundamental changes in the way people drive cars and certainly trucks over the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years has been the reliance on uh, global positioning satellites, GPS technology. Uh, when I play Euro Truck Simulator right now, of course, I spend a lot of time looking at that GPS. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like in a good flight simulator, you've made it its own system. So I can change the displays and such. Um, I kind of wish sometimes that I could drive that I could drive in a way that truck drivers used to drive before that. Uh, that I didn't rely so much on the GPS. It's almost like the GPS makes the game uh, not too easy, but too GPS centric. Yeah, yeah. I've I've heard this actually several times already. That in the old days, the truckers yeah. they had to be adventurers who who. Manage on their own to to come out come out of problems. Now they are like robots following directions, and people would love to be these explorers that need to to do something on their own. So so yeah, I've heard the suggestions that we should have it optional and maybe give people more XP if they 
if they you know manage on their own. We may even look into it because the the GPS part of the game is is go, undergoing a review. It's well, the goal of the review is to make it like more 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 like a real GPS where you can set your your uh-huh. uh, nav points uh, more flexibly. The game actually is very simplistic right now about it. Uh, we could do more to be more like real, but there is also well, part- always the option to actually <laughs> have it removed from you if you want to and give you the challenge. You can, yeah, and, and partly, Pavel, what, what I, why I ask for that is you've you've created a great world, and while I'm driving around, I certainly like looking around the world. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the world is good enough that it could stand on its own, and I could use it for navigation. And certainly, the the readability, the is that a word? The how, how the clarity of the road signs, for instance. Uh, I would love to be able to drive like I do in real life when I don't have a GPS, where I have to look at the road signs and navigate that way. And um, so you, know, you, you just gr- you have to just hit a few hotkeys uh, and remove and the, turn the it off, from, right. from your screen, and off you go. But no. No, see, I'm I'm like the guys who want extra XP for not using the yeah, GPS. Yeah. I, okay. I like want a special game mode or a reward. Uh, okay. <laughs> but yes, you're you're absolutely right. You can uh, hit a hotkey and turn it off. But it will kind of what what I was wondering about. Like if I was working there at SCS with you guys, I would I would say, uh, hey guys, we're gonna make it. A, um, it's like a period piece. Like this is this is a truck driving game, but it's set in the '80s. So we're going to pretend you don't have GPS. Uh, we're going to—it's like a—it's like a 1980s mode that would mean you're driving like in the olden days. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we'll throw in some different assets to change how the world looked. Uh, but I would just like—I like the idea of something like that. Of what was it like to be a truck driver before truck drivers could rely on GPS? Thanks for the tip. <laughs> sure. Uh, and so finally, Pavel. Uh, it's been announced that you guys are working working on American Truck Simulator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't want you to, of course, say too much about that at this point. I realize it's in progress. Uh, but can you just tell us a little bit about um, what, if anything, uh, what, what are some of the new things that we'll be seeing in American Truck Simulator? Well, European Truck Simulator is actually uh, standing on the shoulders of the previous games in both the positive and negative ways. It's reusing tons of assets that we've made, created over the years. And it starts to show in many areas of the world. American Truck Simulator has started from scratch. Everything is freshly built. And it shows it. The, the looks of the world are relatively believable for us Europeans. Mm-hmm. And people like the screenshots that we've, we've received so far, the few screenshots. Mm-hmm. Uh, the evil plan, though, is that we now will have two games on two continents that are essentially at the core of the same games, they will evolve for a few years. So this is how, and this is why European Truck Simulator is being evolved and developed a year and a half after it was released, because all the stuff we are putting into it will be actually found in the American Truck game once it's released. So it's not like a revolution. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, evolution that one game will will spawn this this sibling game and we will be able to update them both. We will be able, to, at the same time, basically, when it comes to features and technology improvements. And we will just build the content in both cases. We'll grow the world, add regions, add vehicles. Mm-hmm. And sitting on top of it should be some kind of like, a, some sort of like umbrella concept that may even put in some MMO 
uh, magic over a long ter- long term. We, our fans know that we are very slow de- delivering. We like the quality. We prefer quality over promising dates. So usually when we target some dates, we miss them, but at least we deliver <laughs> at, in the end something that people want to play. So there is this vision of having eventually maybe even the whole planet covered if we grow enough <laughs> for the challenge. And people people love interacting. They try to find a way even now to interact with this, within the single-player game. So we need to figure out how to do that. We need to give them some persistence. We need to give them some way to network, to socialize. So uh, there's a lot of things that we can still do. We just We're just scratching the surface. And what do you say, speaking of missing dates, because I'm sure people ask you this, and I, I would want to ask you as well, what do you say when people ask you, roughly, when do you expect we would be able to play uh, American Truck Simulator? Is that a 2015, a 2016? Do you have uh, any sense? A few months ago, I would claim even that we'll make this this year's Christmas. Now okay. it looks more like we may be going towards first quarter. A lot of things depend not just on us, but but on our obsession now with chasing real truck brands. We this is ah. something super important for the truck lovers. They they just as if you have a football fan and you would have fantasy teams in NFL, they would not quite you know enjoy the game. It's the same with, with the people who love trucks. So we we are chasing remotely over over the distance of of the ocean the companies to. to to explain that we made it, we made we landed the brands in Europe. We have everybody in Europe. Every major truck manufacturer is in the game now, or is about to be in one case. In the U.S., we need to get a few brands to, to work with us to be able to launch the game. So we build the vehicles now, and we we use them as a showcase for 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 the truck manufacturers to persuade them that you know this is something that people love. This is something that will make you look good. This is something that will you know earn you some some good points with your future drivers once once they grow up mm-hmm. so this is the fight that it's on my is on my hands now to to land the licenses and truck game truck manufacturers are not used to be approached about games you know driving yeah i was going to say they like people who make cars are probably accustomed to that yeah. but yeah yeah uh and then finally really quickly um i imagine uh Regardless of whether it's Euro Truck Simulator or the 18 Wheels games, some of your games are more successful in other countries than than other mm-hmm. in some countries than others. Uh, is this game really big in certain countries? Like, uh, is it is it huge in Germany? For yeah, instance? yeah. We, everybody knows it's huge in Germany. It made a uh-huh. couple of weekly number ones in Germany. And you know, the thing is, if you go to a games uh, shop in Germany, it's a lot. There's a lot of PC uh, sections there. It's not like when you go in the U.S. to, to a game store. There's this little corner, dark right. corner with a few PC games. <laughs> in Germany, you have like, I don't know, 20 shelves dedicated to PC games. And, you know, one shelf is RPGs, one is uh, first-person shooters, and three maybe simulation games. So this is this mm-hmm. <laughs> strange market for people uh, from the U.S. maybe, that simulations are really successful in, in Central Europe, in Northern Europe. So Germany, Scandinavia, Russia, uh, mm-hmm. this is this is the markets where, where it all started. 
But actually, what we are, what we find really surprising, and maybe is the power of, of Steam and the way that Steam de- demographics has been accumulated. Actually, on Steam, we have the most registrations coming from the United States. So even a European game, which was supposed to be totally uninteresting from our point of view to Americans, has made it in the U.S. Right. Well, Pavel, I have to say I am not the least bit surprised because at least now that I've played it, I'm not surprised. Before if before I had played it, I would have found that surprising. <laughs> but as you said, there's a there's this kind of Zen magic to it. So I feel like once people play it and they talk about it and they tell other people about it, and those people might scratch their heads and be a little skeptical, but the moment they try it, there's this sense of ah yes, I can see the appeal. Yeah, so you've heard of this yeah. story repeatedly. Yes, yes. <laughs> So, uh, thank you for talking to me today, Pavel. I cannot wait for American Truck Simulator. I really like what you're doing, and I can't wait to see it translated into a new engine. Um, And also just to see, you know, my own own territory. It's kind of fascinating to visit the different areas of Europe that you've modeled, but uh, I'm looking forward to California and the American Southwest. Okay, great, great. Thank you very much for, for getting in touch. Pavel mentioned uh, this idea of, of the, the magic of finding the Zen of driving and how it's boring by design, which just, by the way, highlights part of why I think it's pointless to describe something as fun or boring. It means absolutely nothing. Uh, find another word to use when you're talking about games critically. Because um, I agree with them. There's something fundamentally, quote unquote, boring about Euro Truck Simulator, and it's certainly why I like it. Uh, I love, too, how he mentioned the, the design process. Uh, his description of it, how it kind of mirrored my own experience with the game. Sitting down thinking, oh, God, this is never going to work. A truck driving game? Uh, And then discovering, oh, yeah, it does kind of work in its own uh, special way. Uh, I also want to not take him to task, but take a little bit of issue with something that Pavel said. When I asked him about why Euro Truck Simulator 2, why has this one suddenly succeeded so much more dramatically than their previous games, um... I think he was being a little modest to suggest that it had to do with a mid-January launch on Steam um, and with uh, their 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 large fan base. Those, no doubt, I, I don't doubt, those were significant factors. But I think Pavel was a little bit too modest to call out that I, I think Euro Truck Simulator 2, it just has a flat-out good game design. It's the stuff that good games are made of, and they, they did a fantastic job translating that boring by design uh, zen of driving magic into gameplay. Uh, You know, he talked about how they compressed the sense of scale, you know, how they carefully jiggered this idea about a long, drawn-out drive into a compressed world. I think they they hit a magic formula there. Uh, the, The split between money and experience points... That's good game design. You know, if if your one resource isn't rewarding enough for the player, make another one. So hence the split with money and, and uh, experience points. Certainly the graphics deserve a lot of credit. It's slightly dated looking, but that, uh, you know, I never have a problem with dated graphics. I don't, dated doesn't mean bad. Uh, and it's a good looking game. I'm anxious. I'm really eager to see how their next iteration of the engine looks in American Truck Simulator. But Euro Truck Simulator 2's, Time as a visual marvel is by no means over. 
Um, so I just I just think Euro Truck Simulator 2's success isn't just fortuitous. It's well deserved and absolutely well earned. Uh, and I hope they will go forward with this this idea of giving us modes to play without the GPS. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm really looking forward to adding some challenge into that gameplay. I hope they do work with that. I'm also really disappointed that it's a licensing deal uh, that's keeping us from playing this year, in 2014. I And I say that as a guy who couldn't care less about licensing. I wouldn't know a Peterbilt from a Mac, so I couldn't care less if those names are on the trucks. I guess I understand why that's important. Um, but, yeah, so once again, licensing is a big pain in the ass for lots of people. By the way, are those uh, those mudflap girls? I think we all know what I'm talking about. Is that a licensed thing? Will those be in the game? Eh, we'll find out. Speaking of mud, <laughs> uh, let's now speak to uh, Reese Bolton, um, who is one of the fellows over there at uh, speaking. I Uvi Ovi Uvi. I think it's Uvi Studios. Um, and there are some folks in the UK who have made a game called Spin Tires. Uh, let's talk to Reese now. Uh, Reese, I, um, as far as trucking games go, uh, was absolutely surprised at how Spin Tires, in a way, is less about the trucks and more about the mud. Um, I mean, obviously, those are these two huge elements in the game, mm. but I can't help but feel, you know, you guys could have made this game with just trucks driving around on roads. We what have, makes yeah. spin tires spin tires is, for lack of a better word, partly the mud technology. Is that a fair assessment? I would definitely say that is a fair assessment. Uh, when we were going into spin tires, it was essentially, you know, the aim of the game is, you know, you're going to be stuck in mud a lot. So uh, yeah, mud is mud is what it's all about. Near enough is uh, is was the mud found for like it seems like the I, I've seen deformable terrain in like off road rally racing games where you leave tracks or whatever. Yeah, but I've yeah. never seen quite anything that is earthy or that goes as deep as the situations you guys have created in, in spin tires. Uh, was that was the mud technology created first and then the trucks laid on top? Was it created as an organic hole? Uh, Tell me a little bit about the early days of how this idea and this technology with this mud turned into a, a, a full-fledged truck game. Okay, so Spin Tires, essentially, it started off very, very basic. Uh, you can go back as far as, I think, 2011, when you could see the first demo of Spin Tires, and it was very basic in terms of the deformable terrain. Uh, we started off with uh, only one of the trucks, which was in the original demo, um, is currently in game. I think there was a tank back then, uh, like a track vehicle, and there were a couple of other things as well. Um, so essentially, it started off with the with the terrain deformation in, in you know in mind, uh, and then the the one vehicle that was there was the was the Kratz. Um, I'm trying to, you know, off the top of my head, I can't remember what the number is for it specifically um, in game. Um, but yeah, that that was the one vehicle that was there. And then over the years, as we started to build it and it started to come into shape, uh, that's where Ovi came in, and we kind of pushed it in the direction of of where it is now, uh, with with objectives, uh, more trucks, and uh, you know what you see today is I think we've got six trucks and one jeep, um, and what we're going to start doing is we're going to increase the 
you know the load of maps and and vehicles that you have in the game. So yeah, that's that's essentially how it went. I'm fascinated to hear you mention tracked vehicles because I guess part of me thinks, well, that would break the game, right? Like tracked vehicles, can't they go through pretty much anything? Uh, why did tracked vehicles not make the cut in the final release? Um, as far as I am aware, the reason that tracked vehicles didn't make the game uh, was for for one for one reason it was it was going to make it too easy right. uh, and also because the technology that we had we wanted to improve upon it to make track vehicles work a bit better within the with deformable terrain mm-hmm. um you know so they churn it up a little bit more the interaction wasn't as smooth as what we'd like it to be mm-hmm. uh the 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 reason to go from one place to another to actually get through the mud to to see a patch of bad road or a river and think I have to get to the other side there. Uh, yeah. it, it's relatively uh, rudimentary in that you're either exploring or you're at the point where you just have to get the logs across the map. Um, can you tell me about the evolution of that, that larger sort of strategic layer of gameplay? Uh, because part of me really admires the simplicity is I either have to unlock this location or unfog the map or get these logs there. But then part of me also thinks... I, I kind of wish they'd made it more sophisticated and given me more little intricate like doodads and resources to play around with. Um, where where did the current balance come into? Where how did that come into play? Where where there was a relatively simple reason to get around to places. Okay, so with with the current gameplay that we've got in there, we wanted to keep it basic, okay. um, and we didn't want to be forcing people into doing objectives. Um, because of the deformable terrain and because of the gameplay elements and, and essentially people can go around and they can make up stuff as they go along um, we didn't, you know, as you know as you may have noticed there is no time limit on a game you can spend as much time on any map as you as you want oh, right, and I guess fuel is technically unlimited as well, yeah. when you think uh, about well it, yeah. I mean yeah you, you know, you are limited in the sense that, you know, you have a tank of fuel um, and it will run down and then you've got you know, fueling points around the map that you've got to find and unlock, you know, via the cloaking. Um, But we didn't want to go too in-depth initially because we wanted to keep it very open to people and and we didn't want to be throwing people in the deep end because, as it is, um, a lot of people find it very difficult because you've got the cloaking and then you've got the objectives and then you've got also, you know, the terrain to deal with. Um, So from there, we're sort of... We're going to start moulding you know, game modes in which will make, you know, they'll be a bit more, uh, what's the word? They'll be a bit more challenging. Okay. Um, so, yeah, initially we just wanted to give everyone sort of that sandbox feel without throwing them in the deep end and forcing them to do, you know, you have to go from here to here and you must do this in order to, you know, in order to get through. There's no levelling up system. There's nothing like that. You know, we may look at that in the future, um, but initially, it was just very much a, a game mode there, and then we build up on top of that in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, was did you ever play with uh, the idea of of having human models in the game? Because right now, nobody's driving these trucks. It's a little creepy. You never see anybody out in the wilderness. Um, did, was there ever a point where they thought we should put in some human models? And they were either taken out because they didn't look good or they didn't fit. Why is this world of spin tires completely abandoned? 
You know what? We didn't. I must admit, considering our past and how we've done uh, train simulation, we've done add-ons for trains, and we've always put a driver model in. Uh, it never. Do you know what? I must admit, this actually slipped through, and we didn't really think about that until, you know, right until the end. And by that point, it was a little too too late for us to to be doing something like that. Um, I don't think I wouldn't say it was intentional that that you know that we didn't include them, um, but also at the time we didn't think it was you know such a game breaking thing. Although a lot of people get a bit freaked out by it. <laughs> do they like? Do you get feedback about? Because part of I, I love the creepiness of it. I mean, I love that it it makes this nature versus machine in a way that in yeah, a way yeah. humanity is gone. I mean, I I love the creepiness to it. I love what it adds, and especially. You know, one of the other games I've been playing recently is Euro Truck Simulator, and there are human models in there, and it always yeah. kind of takes me out of it because they're little human polygons, or they're just sitting impassively in the driver's seat. Um, yeah. I, I think once you add in that human element, you can slip down that uncanny valley curve where it, it looks weird and different and a little off-putting. So do you get people saying, hey, I want to see my driver, or hey, yeah. there should be more people in the map. Well, you guys do get that feedback sometimes? Well, very, at the very beginning when the game was released, there were a lot of people, or I wouldn't say a lot of people, there were, you know, that handful of people that were saying, where's the driver model? And, uh, you know, from from experience of, of playing many different games, uh, if I use, for example, uh, OMSI, OMSI Bus Simulator, with that, uh, you, have an, uh, you have a tick box option which essentially, ah. uh, when you come out, come out into like the third-person view, uh, the driver disappears mm-hmm. um, because it, you know, when you're looking around the truck, you wouldn't expect, you know, the driver to be in the seat because you're outside the truck. So th- there is that sort of element to it. Um, but yeah, but I mean, by all means, we <laughs> we'd be able to put that sort of thing back in. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not hard. But I, I think it was at the very beginning. Yeah, there were you know people saying, um, "Where's the driver? It, it's really creepy driving around the truck, and there's no driver there." So yeah. uh, if you, if you guys do put in uh, drivers, I hope there is a tick box because I want to untick it. I don't I don't want to see any people in my getting in the way in my my games of spin tires. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's definitely something we do. Yeah. Uh, why the Soviet era setting? Okay, well, the Soviet era, the Soviet era setting, uh, it was basically because uh, our main program, Pavel, is uh, he's Russian, and uh, he because it was his uh, his brainchild. Uh, that's where it all began, and then we just sort of implemented more of the Russian feel into it, and uh, we just decided to go right. Okay, spin tires will be. Russian trucks, Russian themed, Russian, you know, in that uh, Siberian, you know, area of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- how did, uh, I'm sorry, the program's name was Pavel? Pavel, yeah. Uh, he's, uh, did he work in Russia? Do you, do you know if he has a background making games in Russia? Uh, yep, yeah, he, um, I wouldn't like to go into it too much, because uh, obviously I haven't spoken to him about this sort of thing, but uh, yeah, he has a gaming background, he used to work for a company called uh, Sabre Interactive, and sure. um, yeah. so he, he has he has experience in the gaming industry, and uh, yeah, he, he came to us uh, with Spin Tires, and uh, we gave him that to creative freedom to be able to uh, create what you see today. Now, when you say us, you're, of course, talking about OV. I am, uh, you guys, yes. 
you're a very small studio. You you mentioned that your numbers now you're 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 brimming at the edges. You're about to explode with eight people right now. That's correct. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So uh, not exactly a, a vast company. What what has what's Ov's history from before Spin Tires? Before Pavel comes to you with this really cool idea, and you're like, yes, let's, let's go with this. What was Ov doing before then? Okay, so Ovi has um, quite a broad past. Um, I have been, you know, told not to go into detail uh, because we, 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 we. You guys, you guys sound like a shady organization. <laughs> well, no, we. I think because of where we are, we don't really like to go back on the past too much. Uh, I mean, we. I can obviously go into it, but. It's quite detailed if you want to. Well, it sounds. It I mean, partly I ask Reese just because I was so struck by spin tires. It didn't seem like a couple of guys' first rodeo. I mean, it seems like you guys knew what you were doing. You have this unique, cool product, um, yeah. and you've done a great job presenting it. And I just wonder. It, it makes me think. I want to see what else these guys have done. But if this is kind of like. This is how OV is sort of wanting to identify themselves at this point, where the spin tires guys, I'm totally okay with that. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, by all means. Um, so basically, OV has been going for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, oh, sorry, OV hasn't been going for 10 years. We have been working in the game industry for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, OV was formed in 2008. Um, and, and essentially, for a number of years, our main focus was uh, add-ons for the train simulator. Okay. Um, where we, you know, we were quite well known in that. We'd, we'd pushed out a number of add-ons um, there. And behind the scenes, we were working on spin tires. Mm-hmm. And it, because it was so long in development, eventually it turned into right. Well, you know, we, we you know we found our publisher, and then we went through the Kickstarter campaign, and then mm-hmm. Spin Tires th- through that year from 2013 to 2014, we literally just pushed out what we could, and uh, you know, it was all you know. Full steam ahead for spin tires then, but primarily at the beginning um, we started off with uh, train simulator add-ons. Can you tell me a little bit, Reese, about how successful spin tires has been for you? Oh, spin tires for us. Uh, I must admit we we've done a lot better than we we thought. We didn't think the market was um, as vast as it was for our you know for our sort of game um, before the game was released. Literally on release night we had ooh, somewhere in the region of 60,000 members on our forum mm-hmm. um, we're currently standing at 97,000 members on our forum and we have pushed we have about 180,000 followers to date <laughs> uh, with Spin Tires itself so I think the, the end of I think it was the end of middle or to end of June, we'd announced that we'd sold 100,000 units. So company now, you know, we stand between 180 and 200,000 players in our community. That's great. Good. Um, So one of the uh, things that I also wonder about in terms of the process of this game being made, and that I struggle with personally when I play a lot, Mm -hmm. uh, the casual mode is, of course, 
very simple. You mentioned there's no time limit, uh, and that's the case with however you play. But in the casual mode, you can freely teleport back to the base. Um, it's pretty much just a matter of time before you, quote-unquote, beat the map or, yeah. or meet the objectives. The hardcore mode, on the other hand, I feel like suddenly it really matters. You know, it's you can lose a truck. You can get something stuck, and you can create this spiraling catastrophe of lost trucks Absolutely. if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. And I feel like so much of the gameplay and, and the peril – really comes through in hardcore mode, but you completely miss that in casual mode. Mm. So I'm torn between wanting to play in casual mode just to kind of enjoy this this laid-back nature of it and wanting to play in hardcore mode Mm. to really experience the stakes. Um, I presume that's intentional. You guys want it to be that way. You want me to have to decide (laughs) what type of experience. You want me to have the flexibility to decide what type of experience to have. Absolutely. Um, during the creation, was there ever a time where there was only a casual or only a hardcore mode? Is, uh, is one or the other more true to the original intent? There was. We, we initially started off with the casual mode. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we were going along, we realized that we were attracting a lot of uh, members from the, you know, the simulation community. Um, so without... You know, we've never personally, as Ovi, we've never advertised spin tires as a simulator. Uh, for for the prime example, if it's not accurate enough, in our eyes at least, to be deemed as a simulator. Um, so what we did was we created hardcore mode. Um, we changed some of the elements that you you know you had in casual mode. You know, we added, removed, and the hardcore mode that you see is. Uh, I, I, I say, I, I guess we could say an amalgamation of a few ideas that we had internally. <clears throat> For me personally, when I tried to throw some ideas across about the hardcore mode, uh, we kind of had to, to hold back a little bit because it would have just turned into uh, a, a giant mosh pit in the end because it would have just been unbearable. Um, too hardcore, you're saying? Too hardcore, yeah. So we had to sort of find that happy medium because we haven't released the game yet. Uh-huh. Um, now, you know, what what we want to do is we, we want to try and get some more feedback from the community, see what they want, and then what we can try and do is, in terms of game modes, uh, when we start to add new game modes, then we might add, you know, that extra bit of, you know, difficulty. Can you tell me a bit, Reese, about what were some of the things that were too hardcore that you had to pull back a little bit from? At this point in time, I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, I'm afraid. <laughs> but just basically making it more brutal, more <sighs> more unforgiving, uh, letting the player get stuck more often, that sort of thing, I Absolutely, guess. yeah, yeah. Uh, tell me about, sometimes I feel like when I'm playing spin tires, the most valuable player in the game isn't necessarily my truck or whether or not I've got the differential lock on or whatever. The most valuable player in the game <laughs> sometimes feels like the winch. Like I feel like um, spin tires can be winch simulator. And I'm okay with that, by the way, mm. because if I see enough big trees around, and I guess this is partly map dependent, but I feel like almost any situation, my winch will save me. Right. Uh, it, is that intentional? How do you guys feel about the balancing and the tuning of the winch? Uh, well... There's, there's sort of two roads you can go down um, with with the winch, is that you can essentially get through a map, and you can use the winch a couple of times. Um, but what you'll find is if you do take a wrong turn, you end up using the winch for the rest of your time because you <laughs> you know you you are literally stuck. Um, 
so we you know to to us there is that happy medium there already i think it's just a case of in the eyes of the community um you know maybe it's maybe there is too much winch in there but essentially i mean if talking to all of those people that are you know hardcore off-roaders themselves they will literally go out they'll get themselves stuck just to use the winch so it's it's a hard one really because in on a commercial sense it's it's good or it's it's like on the fence um you know because everyone wants that happy medium of you know being able to use the winch every now and again um while being able to drive around unhindered um but then if you if you sort of go to the reality you would probably be getting stuck a lot more and using the winch a lot more so it's just uh, it's just one of those things really i can imagine too when you do talk about game modes and things and, and adjusting the difficulty mm. uh that would be a great tool right there for you guys to adjust the difficulty you know the, the reach and the power the the efficacy of the winch yeah I, I think for for many certainly for me that winch and i'm i'm not complaining at all i use that winch as a crutch freely like that yeah, winch yeah will make will allow me to do things I wouldn't normally otherwise try. Right. <laughs> so. Well, I mean with with the winch as well. Um you know when we were doing our research in the win uh, the winch length um was actually supposed to be, you know, two or three times longer than what it is in game. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. But we did actually reduce it because otherwise people would just be going, "Right, I'm stuck. Winch, pull them out." Right, right, sure. So we, sure. we did we did reduce it. So we have we, we did take into account the fact that there was the winch there, and it could make the game too easy. Uh, you, you've used a, a couple of times in our conversation. You mentioned the community. You obviously have, uh, and you mentioned the size of the the, the number of registrations on the forum. Uh, you guys are obviously very interactive with your community. You're, you've mentioned a couple of times specific things that they've said. So you're obviously yeah. listening to them. Um, how do you weigh how do you decide how much weight to put in vocal community members and guys like me who maybe don't participate in the community, um, maybe don't want, or, or just guys who, who aren't talking to you? Yeah. Um, how much, how do you know how much weight to give the community when they ask for things? Well, obviously, we, in any given time, we'll have plans laid down. Um, and what we what we try and do is, if there are topics going, we'll try and have a read through them. We'll get people's opinions. Um, it's it's quite a difficult one, really. I mean, my the way I go about things might be different to, you know, the way um, someone else goes about them in terms of reading the forum. Uh, but basically, it it depends on. Say, for example, um, the other day I posted up in the the dev blog on our forum and I basically just tried to give everyone as much information as I could about about what's to come in terms of, you know, what what bugs we're going to fix, what improvements are coming, um, the DLC contents and new features. And what I do is I was going down the list and, and seeing people's suggestions. And it might only be one person suggesting it at that time, but I'll recall that someone else has mentioned it. And when I see a pattern like that, that's when I'll start to take notice. So especially because, you know, you have to remember things like that. If someone's mentioned it maybe two months back and then someone else mentions it now, you're thinking, hmm, they might have a point. 
So it's it's sort of it swings and roundabouts. You know, you're sort of in a balancing act between going off, um, you know, public opinion and a hundred votes compared to you know two or three people that have said something in the space of two to three months. Sure. Can can you? Uh... Can you tell me about your community? Is it is it a lot of sim players? Uh, are there many casual players? Are there people who this is their first driving game? Do you have people who play racing games? Um, can you describe for me what you know about your community? Well, I think it's it's a very mixed community. Uh, we do have uh, you know people coming over from simulation, um, the driving games, and uh, you know from speaking to some of our partners and they'll tell us about their friends who have, you know, who've got little kids and they're like, daddy, daddy, I want this game. <laughs> so, you know, we have managed to, to keep the market very much open as much as we can. Uh, and we haven't tried to limit it, limit it to an age group or a, um, you know, a specific, a specific community group. Um, I'd say it's very open. You know, we have our simulation players, which I, I think probably make up, you know, don't quote me on this, but probably you know thirty to forty percent of the of of the players. You know, in terms of new players, you're probably looking at people that have literally heard about spin tires and they are just off roaders, mm-hmm. but they've heard about it through the forums that they go on, and uh, you know they might be new to gaming or they might just play games casually on their PlayStation or their Xbox or something. Um, and luckily, the good thing with with spin tires, although not everyone experiences this, is that even on really old computers, spin tires runs really well, um, and that's one thing that we really tried to focus on when you know when we were de- developing is the fact that there were going to be people that want to play this and they might not have a high end PC. Um, so yeah, we, we've I th- I'd say we've captured in terms of in terms of the market, you know, we we've got a good good range in our community. I'm actually surprised to hear that about um, the range of hardware that you can play on because. Uh, and I intend this as a compliment, Reese. It really looks good. It's a beautiful game, and I never would have guessed that it could scale down very well. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm a kind of guy who's lucky enough to have a relatively high-end video card and computer. Yeah. Um, but that's great to hear because I, it's a unique product, and I think there's a wide range of people who would enjoy it. So I'm glad to hear that it doesn't necessarily require the high-end computer that you might guess based on how good it looks. Absolutely. I mean, the, you know, I remember seeing a post a while back and someone said that they had a five-year-old PC that wasn't great even when they bought it. And they were managing to run spin tires, and I think they, they said they had about 40 frames a second, which is, which is quite Whoa, good. Oh, yeah. That's very good, yeah. Uh, now, your community also, there is a, uh, I believe, a hearty modding scene. There is um, indeed, yes. What kind of things is the community doing with your game? Um... Uh, I find it hard to keep up sometimes um, <laughs> because I'm doing so many other things. I, I try and just have a look at what's being posted on the forum, and uh, you know we get little notifications of of what people are requesting to be um, accepted to be put in the modding area. So I have a little I have a little look over there. Um, but a lot of it's vehicles. We haven't really we haven't released the map tools yet, so there aren't any maps. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know there are people. When you say yet, is that is that something you intend to do, or uh, it's, do you know? it's it's hanging in the balance at the moment. We're trying to okay. we're trying to make the decision on whether to or when to. Okay. Um, they're not really up to par that we'd like to give to the public at the moment. Okay. Um, so you know, because we've got 
our first DLC being worked on um, in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, while that's being developed, the, the map tools will get some attention. They'll be improved. So maybe, you know, maybe in a few months down the line, the map tools, map tools will be released. I can't say or promise. Sure. Um, because that, that personally is out of my hands. I'm not, um, I'm not working on the map tools, so... So then mostly what the, the modding consists of is, is new vehicles? New vehicles, right? yeah. I mean, some people tweak the settings. They'll, um, you know, new assets. And uh, I noticed someone's trying to do a cockpit view as well. So, oh. you know, there is so much going on. It's, it's hard to keep up with sometimes, but there is quite a lot. That, that actually, I it never occurred to me that I would ever want to play this in a cockpit view because... So much of it is about looking at exactly where my tires are. Also, that creepy sense of there being no driver. Yeah, yeah. I totally buy into this idea that I am the truck. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. no, there's nobody sitting in a cockpit. Um, but I imagine for some people that is a conspicuous omission, is they want to sit in the cockpit. They want that first-person perspective sense of immersion. Uh, why did that? Why was that not part of the release? Internally, uh, we didn't go with a cockpit view. <sighs> mainly it was down to the time that we had okay. until release. Sure. Although there was also a factor that played into it that cockpit, uh, sorry, spin tires wasn't originally intended to be driven inside because you right. literally have to be, you know, on a 360 degree pivot to see all around your truck at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, until the community really started to shout out and say we want cockpit views and we want steering wheel support um it was one of those things that were going on the back burner and we were going to look into you know at a later date you know but because everyone wants it we are literally going to start working on it at some point and implement cockpit views and it would be interesting to see from our point of view as well um, you know, just to see how difficult it's going to be for everyone, the fact that you're driving inside and your wheels could get stuck, but you're not going to have a clue because you can't see. Yeah, yeah. So um, that, it's going to be interesting. That does go. That does kind of tie into this idea of different modes. I guess I could imagine maybe somebody wanting it to be really challenging and having to rely on mirrors or, or whatnot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, Finally, uh, Reese, two, two things I want to ask you. I want to talk briefly a bit about the, uh, the, the plans in the future, the DLC, whatever you can tell us about that. But before then, um, please tell me, I, I'm, I don't know how old you guys are. Maybe you're a little bit too young for this, <laughs> but I can't imagine that everyone over there isn't intimately familiar with the movie Sorcerer that William Friedkin did. I don't know, back in the mid-70s, about the trucks full of nitroglycerin driving through the wilderness. Sorry. Is that part of the internal vocabulary of everyone <laughs> at Ovi, or is it just a happy accident that you guys mirror that movie so much? I would say that's a happy accident. I uh, personally haven't that's watched That's crazy. It. <laughs> you haven't even seen Sorcerer. I haven't. No. Oh, Reese, that's ridiculous to me. It's basically like there is a movie about your game, and mm. your game is about a movie. It's almost like a vice versa thing. Uh, does Pavel know I, the movie I, Sorcerer? I think it was, and I, I haven't been let the, uh, <laughs> you know, haven't been let on in it. But no, I, I haven't watched it, and I, I we have actually got someone on our forum called Sorcerer, or their yeah their username is Sorcerer. So I keep seeing, I keep seeing the um you know the the uh, the front of the you know the box that it would be on, and yeah yeah the, that keep, grill of that I truck mentioning yeah. it a long time ago saying about the movie, and and I'm thinking to myself right I should watch this, 
<laughs> you know, five, six months on, I haven't got round to it. And you've just reminded me, so I should watch that at some point. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Reese, I, I really feel uh, you will. I don't know that you can fully appreciate how awesome a game Spin Tires is if you haven't seen the movie Sorcerer. I'll just leave it there with that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, and then finally, Reese, so you've mentioned a couple of times the, that you have future plans, maybe experimenting with uh, some different game modes, maybe putting the tracked vehicles back in. Uh, and then you also said you're working on some DLC in the background. What's been announced about that that you can tell us in terms of what it is and maybe when it'll be available? Okay, so the DLC, we haven't really announced much about that. The only thing that we have done is we've mentioned what the contents, you know, what what will be in them, basically. Um, So initially, what we'll be looking at is two to three themed maps. Mm -hmm. Um, That's about all I can cover on that one. So two to three themed maps. You're looking at one to two new vehicles that will be added. Um, There'll be multiple game modes exclusive to the DLC and uh, you know there'll be exclusive features as well so we're hoping that you know each DLC will be unique in its own way that will add to the experience that is spin tires and this is being worked on now do you know is this something that's intended for next year this year or is even that uh, unknown at this point I am not at liberty to divulge that information Fair enough. We'll, we'll look forward to hopefully hearing announcements about it in the, in the near future. Um, well, Reese, I really appreciate your time, uh, and congratulations on what an awesome job you guys have done. One of the, the highest praises I can offer any game, and it's certainly true of Spin Tires, is that it it feels absolutely unique. You know, there's no other game that creates that sensation, and a huge tip of the hat to you and your team for what you've accomplished with it. Thank you very much. I'll pass on the. Uh, I'll pass it on. <laughs> Astonished those guys don't know the movie Sorcerer intimately. Uh, how, how does that happen? How do they make a game like that and not know the movie Sorcerer? Um, all right, well, uh, I appreciate Reese and uh, Pavel for taking the time to talk to me about those games, both of which I'm hugely fond of. And now I'm going to do something that's maybe a little mean, uh, but I presume you're wondering it. I would be if I was in your place. And this is called Which Game Wins? European Truck Simulator 2 or Spin Tires. Uh, and really, it, it, it comes down to they're both very different experiences. I'm quite fond of both of them. You can read my reviews at quarter to three for each of them. Um, but for a couple of reasons, uh, and again, I want to stress, I, I quite like both of them. I, I, they were both kind of revelations. But for a couple of reasons that I'd like to lay out, I think I'm partial to Spin Tires. Um, and the first reason I touched on when uh, I thanked Reese for his time is how absolutely unique it is. And that is a precious commodity in video game development, uh, a game that is unlike other games. Um, I am a little disappointed to hear that uh, some of the things that I like about Spin Tires that I assumed were this kind of canny, insightful message into the dehumanization of the Soviet era and the battle between man and nature, between machine and nature, and how man has no role in that, and the lack of a cockpit view in spin tires as a commentary on the trucks as as sentient entities. 
I had all these like grand interpretations of some of their design choices, and I think it's a little funny to dis- to uh, discover that they basically come down to the amount of time they had, the fact that the developer is from <laughs> is from Russia, and that they just didn't get around to putting in the human models, and those will be along later. Uh, but those kind of I, I always am tickled when a game leads me to these elaborate interpretations, and I feel like uh, Spin Tires kind of supports that at this point. Uh, it feels really eerie. Um, I love the fact that there's no people. I love the fact that there's no cockpit view. Uh, there's just so much atmosphere in Spin Tires. Uh, Euro Truck Simulator certainly has activity. Um, there's this great sense of obeying the rules of the road, but it has nothing approaching the haunting atmosphere that I think makes partly makes spin tires unique. Uh, also, I would call out, from my own personal preference, uh, the moment-to-moment gameplay in spin tires. Uh, in one sense, you could say it's repetitive. So much of it is about, hey, this is muddy, which way should I get past this muddy patch? Or, hey, can I make it up that incline? Or, how deep is that water? Um, and so much of it is just about, you know, spinning your tires, getting out of the mud, trying to get some traction going. Um, but I find that, that moment-to-moment off-roading, uh, navigating the traction in your, your, your wheels and the terrain that you're on, I, I just find that, in a different way, very compelling from moving around in uh, in Euro Truck Simulator. So the, the, the moment-to-moment gameplay in Spin Tires also, I, I kind of prefer it for that. Uh, and also, I can't deny this, any reviewer, actually forget reviewers, any person, anybody you talk to about why they like something, they're going to have baggage that influences why they like it. And I vividly remember the summer of 77, bear with me, <laughs> this isn't going to be as tedious as it sounds. Um, you know, a, a lot of guys my age remember Star Wars from that summer, and I certainly do. I grew up with Star Wars. It meant a lot to me. But in a weird way, I was a, I was much more a child of Jaws, the movie Jaws, a few years before Star Wars. So that when that summer of 77 came around, and yeah, I was blown away by Star Wars, but I vividly remember seeing in movie theaters the poster for Sorcerer, and part of what drew, drew my eye to it was the fact that Roy Scheider was in it. And, that, you know, Roy Scheider, that's the guy in Jaws. And I was such a Jaws kid. Anything to do with Jaws, I wanted, I, you know, I wanted to see every movie with Robert Shaw and Roy Scheider and uh, and um, Richard Dreyfuss. Um, Lorraine Gary, even. I don't know if she was in other movies. But uh, I was such a child of Jaws that, that that movie poster in the summer of 77 with Roy Scheider's name on it caught my eye. But also what caught my eye was that picture of that truck, you know, on the bridge. And there's a guy in front of it. And is he trying to get away from the truck? It turns out when you see the movie, he's leading it. But what's going to happen to that guy? What's going to happen to that truck? Isn't it going to tump over in the water? Why is it, Why does its grill look so ominous? Um, Sorcerer, before I even saw it, had a huge impact on me. Uh, and then, I don't think it was that summer, I don't think I saw Sorcerer in the theaters, but when I eventually did see it, uh, Sorcerer is... is um, like Spin Tires, a unique movie. Uh, and it's, it's of course, a, it's ironic to say that about a remake. It's a remake of a French movie from, I believe, the 50s called Wages of Fear. But William Friedkin's take on Sorcerer, on this remake, is unique, and it sets it apart from the source material. It is, it is such an iconic existential statement, and so... 
uh, representative of 70s cinema to me uh, that I can't deny. I love the movie Sorcerer. I love the cast. I love just the visuals. And certainly, as a guy who never got into trucks and cars, that stuff never really meant much to me. Watching those machines in action in Sorcerer uh, was just hugely affecting. So ultimately, that is a significant part of why I personally would prefer spin tires to Euro Truck Simulator. That said, I do heartily recommend both games. They both do a great job at what they're doing. Uh, you can find them both on Steam. I would encourage you uh, to check them out. Uh, and again, I want to thank Pavel Shibor and Reese Bolton for uh, spending some time with me today. Next week, I'll be back with Brandon. We'll be talking about, um, I guess, a little Destiny. It's about that time of year. I, I think Destiny, just like in, when is it? It's normally around May. You get that first big blockbuster to herald the summer movie season. Uh, Destiny is that for the 2014 holiday season of video game releases. Uh, so help us ring in that season uh, on next week's podcast, and I'll see everyone then. 